Welcome to Soundscapes, the Swedish Chamber Orchestra's podcast. My name is Gregor Zubicki, and I'm going to have the pleasure of being your host today when I'm talking to Martin Frist. Martin, as you probably know, is the Swedish Chamber Orchestra's chief conductor, but also, of course, one of the great, great musicians of our time on his instrument, the clarinet. So welcome, Martin. Welcome to Soundscapes. And finally, I have with me Martin. Martin, welcome. Thank you, pleasure to, our to be pod. here. And this, this is something that you and I spoke about last summer, the need to do something like this. It's uh, your pod. It's my pod, it's our pod. Well, I mean, I'm here all the time, so I guess that's maybe where it comes from. But, um, so when we started talking about doing this kind of a show, podcast, yeah. video, whatever, um, it really grew out of a story that you were telling me about your meeting with Paul Zacher. Now, who was that Paul was Zach? the start. That yeah. was, I think that's where we, we sort of... In the yeah, I mean, you have these whatever key moments in your life. Of course, this is related to your theme, uh, which you call game-changing because, you know, in the history, it has, it has always been people that were relevant for how the, in this case, the classical music, the, the, the way that it took. Mm. And um, I was... This must have been around 97, so I was 26 years old. And I just won the Geneva competition. And from that competition, it came different prizes. And one of the prizes that I got was concerts, of course. And I chose to go to Zürich to play a memorial concert uh, for Gesa Anda, the, 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 in the memory of Gesa Anda. Gesa Anda is a piano legend, died in the 70s uh, of cancer. And uh, his widow has this castle in um, Zürich on the mountain, the Soligestrasse on the, on the hill. And I came there uh, and I, I, you know, I was so young, first of all, but I was so unaware of everything around this world around, uh, because she was then, I, I wasn't, I, first of all, I wasn't allowed to get out of the taxi because the taxi driver thought, didn't think that I was allowed to go into this house because I have a t-shirt and jeans and he didn't think that I was supposed to meet one of the five richest persons in the world. I didn't know that, that she was that. But then in the end, I was very lucky because the, 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 the cook looked out on the window and recognized me and said, oh, it's okay, come in, come in. So I went in and, uh, and uh, I saw flowers and then I saw paintings on the wall that I recognized and I, I saw them on postcard at home and so on. And I recognized the Monet, Manet, Picasso, Gauguin, everything, but here they were in original. So I was, and I was still like, where am I? What, what is this? And then I was, I didn't meet Gisa Anda's widow at that time. So I was bringing, they brought me into the studio of Gisa Anda, uh, his practicing, practice room which she has left totally the last 25 years. So it was exactly as it was when he was practicing. So I went up to his piano and there was a telephone book with, you know, with the telephone number from uh, Clara Askel, Furtwängler, Maria Callas and all these. But they were dead, of course, but it was such a weird, weird thing to look at because I thought, I could call these people if I want. <laughs> they won't answer. But, 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 you got their but yeah. So, and then I, I was, I was staying there and practicing because I was supposed to have a concert then in the evening. Uh, so we were practicing and then in the evening we had the concert which went quite fine. Then it was a dinner 
And, uh, and then I came in this situation that I was not used to be in at all. It was only these diamond women and men and uh, famous people and so on. And where I sat, I had the guest Anna's widow, Hortense Anda, uh, uh, to the table, and also I had Paul Sacher. And Paul Sacher, for, for those who, who don't know, he's one of these people who... Um, he was one of the really most rich, I think he was supposed to be the second richest um, person in the world in this time. And he donated a lot of money to culture and also uh, commissioned a lot of pieces. And, uh, and he was then 93, I think it was just you know, one or a half year before he died, but very vital. And, and he was telling me all this story, how he helped Rostropovich and bought his cello and uh, you know, escaped from Russia. And, uh, Stravinsky, he knew, of course, and ordered a lot of pieces, and Strauss, Metamorphosis, and told, told all these stories, and I was sort of, what is this? This is just music history right up in my face. face. And, and I, I realized that where I was with all this painting. And, uh, so it was stepping back in the history, but in the same time, it was a wake-up call for me, because I also saw that this, this was a little bit like, you know, what, what can we compare with in Sweden, you know, Ingvar Kamprad or some, you know, these kind of people who suddenly decide, I want to do something for the culture. I want to spend all my money or most of my money to help people and at that time quite unknown people. You know, of course he went for some famous name, but they, most of them were quite unknown. So he took a chance on this and this and this and helped them. And this is what we see now, the music history by Stravinsky and all these people. And, it, you know, bought Rostropovich cello and got, I, I heard so many stories, I can't remember them all, but uh, Dino Lipati, was that the pianist who got ill? Yes. Yeah, yes. and he helped him a lot with medication and also, and tried to, you know, he was very busy and also conducting, of course, but, but mainly as a mecenate and, and as a helper. And I just thought that, and it was a hilarious story because I was so unused to this situation, so I did all stupid things that you can imagine. I tried, for example, I tried to make a, a spontaneous speech, and I remember I was so stupid, I took my tie and I, 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 I did this. And then I, I got so confused that I lost my balance, and I, I put my hand on a Gauguin painting. And I remember Gisa Anders widow was so shocked because I, probably I was not clean. I, I had my hands in my dessert. <laughs> So everything went totally wrong, but in the same time, this focused 93 years old man kept me concentrated with a sit-down young man, and, I would, and then he kept, kept on talking to me. And uh, it was a fascinating night, and uh, yeah, it was a very memorial, a memorial thing. Well, just too. getting in touch with, with so much as history. Say, music history. Yeah. And of course, Paul Zacher, in a way, was continuing an old tradition, you might say, from, the, from royalty and, yeah. and, and aristocracy for centuries, yeah. that, who... who um, uh, one of my uh, sort of favorite stories, in a way that illustrates maybe something quite different, that is that is Brandenburg, you know, the, the mm -hmm. Markgraf of Brandenburg, whom Bach went to in order to get a job, he was hoping, mm -hmm. and he gave him all this music, you know, to mm -hmm. listen to, in order to get a job. And, and but Markgraf wasn't interested; he took the music, put it away in a in a, in a, in a cupboard, mm -hmm. and then it was lost for a hundred years. Mm -hmm. uh, and but now he's famous because they call the Brandenburg Concertos. He did nothing; he did no. absolutely nothing, oh. and he's famous yep. for life. So mm -hmm. it goes in different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because when we were talking about this and you were telling me the story, we were saying what a what a game changer in a way um, Zacher was using his enormous gift there with money, but also in knowledge of music to really change and affect things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I, I when, when we were talking then, I, I also told you the story, which was my first meeting with you, um, which was 
long before we actually met, but I saw you on TV and I just started my job here. So we're talking about 2000, 2001, yeah, yeah. it was ages ago. And, um, and I just knew about you as, as a, of course, a very well-known uh, musician. And, and you were doing a program, it was on TV together with Malena Anman, the, the soprano. And the two of you were, it, it, was, a whole, it was a whole series of things where, 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 which used, uh, I think in this particular one that, that, that I was so impressed by, you were on roller skates and you were doing the Bach, Gounod, Ave Maria and you were changing the parts between you. It was, I'd just never seen anything like it. And it, and, and it was very virtuosic on the one level. It was, it was fun on another level and it was just doing something that had never even occurred to me one could do. And I remember going back to telling people I'd seen this and saying, this changes everything, I said. I just don't know how it changes everything, but, but, but we just have to rethink. And, and, but I'm not quite sure what that means. Mm. Um, I just knew that it was something completely new. And, and somehow I had to uh, get that in. And, and of course, in some, by some strange way, that leads us to where we are today. And I think having something where you see something and you experience something, you think, hey, this changes things. That is, a, a, that is the kind of moment that I think is, is really interesting. And, and you've been a game changer. Yeah, I, th I think what you say now, it's two things actually, which is, you're right, it's very important things. I think, first of all, uh, and that we all do all the time, but, but I think, I, had, I was in, in the States recently and I met a lot of clarinet players. And uh, of course now I'm so old, so I'm the, I, I meet quite often a new generation. Uh, even the, the, the people who are in, in great orchestras are, are, are younger, much younger than me. Uh, and I got, I was very, you know, happy and, and a bit flattered because I remember the Berlin Philharmonic guy and the New York Philharmonic principal said, when you came, then you came from, from such a different le uh, angle and show us you can do this you can come from this level and you can play the clarinet on this in this way and you know etc etc and from that perspective for example where they came from the german school this is the way and no one no nothing else is is allowed and of course i it made me happy and it made because i never thought of that and that has a little bit to do with what you say because first of all when we do things or when we try to open new doors to the future what we do is to say and I never think of it when I do it, but what we say is, look here, you are allowed to do this as well, or this is the way to do it. And then you open doors for everyone else. And I think that's a very beautiful thing. So you share something, even if it's a fiasco or whatever it is, you, can, you try something. And uh, uh, when you say game changing, I think people are, in my world also, I do a lot of things because I have the, how do you say, the, 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 the inspiration or imagination. the imagination or you, you want to do this, I have this, oh, I have to, and you can't explain what is so important with this, why do you want to, but I just have to do it, this is my way. Yeah. But on the other side, I would say also, forget about, for example, in your case, uh, as a leader of an orchestra, as an artistic, so many years you have worked with this orchestra, if you go to the history or if you do something, forget about all this. The big thing is if you, and you will be, of course, as many other leaders as in your position, be a part of a, of a change. Uh, maybe even not the biggest part you have to be, but you are a part of, of a win that change. And that's something really beautiful, I think. Just feel, have the feeling that you are, okay, it's changing now. 
And I don't know how important I am in this change, but I am a part of it. And to be open to it. Yeah. And the other people who doesn't know anything or doesn't do anything, but are a part of it, yeah. uh, are open for it. That's also important. Yeah, because I think very few people, uh, may, maybe when they... I wonder, when Beethoven wrote his third symphony, did he realize he was changing? Uh, no, probably not, but, but he but was he did, into something. But he, he felt he had to do it. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I mean, I, I, we were talking also the other day, I mean, one of the first pieces that I think that I know of that you were doing that involved theatrical elements was the Stockhausen yeah. uh, Harlequin, yeah. which then went on to other things. Absolutely. I mean, as I said, people have always tried things and also before me, of course, and, I, and that my way into it was exactly what you say. I, I study in Germany and I study all the core repertoire and I also only focus on Brahms, Mozart, Debussy and all these kind of things, Nielsen. But then suddenly my teacher said, you know, these Pierre Boulez wrote this piece for me. Uh, do you want to do it? And it has 10 music stands and you have to walk around the stage and you one spot lines and, and it includes some elements that was not only about the sound. Um, and the same thing did Stockhausen, but not for Maciejo, for his wife, one of his wives, Susan Stephen. And then, in, in my opinion, that was very fascinating. I, I remember I, I, I was a teenager and I looked at all these photos when she was dressed like Harlequin, whatever it was. But then I saw the piece and I started the piece and I realized you can go much further with this. This was quite simple, quite square way of writing music, first of all, in Stockhausen's uh, case, and also to, to, to use the room and the choreography. It was like running this direction and running back or something like that. So that bring, brought me to, to ask Hans Schilber, so why don't we do a concerto and go the whole way yeah. and ask a street dance choreographer and uh, Niklas Eck from the modern side and try to do something special about it. And, and we did. And, and, and that's... A, and that's recognize that, recognizing that music is also a visual experience. An yeah. orchestra is quite a static thing. Uh, you know, the, the, everybody sits there in their uh -huh. chair. But I mean, the sort of work we're doing at the moment, you know, where we're freeing ourselves from the music stand, yeah. playing from memory, standing up, it, it, it creates a choreography of its own. Yeah, but that time also is fading away because I, I think that time is over. You're very right that the orchestra has been a quite static thing with the black dress and the, the way of playing and dictator in front of them and silent, uh, don't speak, listen to what you don't want. Move, don't move, don't move, don't speak and sound. But of course that time is in one way over. You have a more democratic way of leading and you have also a more communication between the soloist and the orchestra and the conductor and the orchestra and the leading position, which is a development that's quite natural because, you know, the orchestra also grow and develop as individuals and they are so good, every musician, so they have so much creativity in themselves. So of course they have a lot of things to bring to the, to the table as an as a interpretation or whatever. So I like, I know I shouldn't do too much of it, but a little bit of semi-democracy semi is, I prefer, but I understand if everyone speak, it will be a disaster. But it needs to find that balance. Yeah, I am finding the balance, slowly. <laughs> but, but what I said today to the orchestra, that, I mean, when we do things, a collaboration, it it's all it is, I mean, to be frank. I mean, you can say do this and do that, but if it doesn't work or the orchestra doesn't want it, it doesn't work. So I think we are creating, as you said, the orchestra has been static, now we are moving and we try to change it even more because now we are sort of standing up. All the recording that we did during the pandemic was also pandemic was around to be freer. We, we took away the music stand, we have a film crew, 
I think during the movie session, we became freer and freer. So I saw them and, and the funny thing was they sounded better. They, get, they got happier while playing in that sense, more communicative between them, not with me, but between them. And they, were, and they felt like between great musician and movie star. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I, I'm, of course, you have a limit when you try to show off. Yeah. But also with this soloist that we have. You see, I mean, if you look at her, yeah. you don't play worse because she has this face that just shines and the eyes just saying things. And then comes this beautiful sound and I can see that some of the orchestra members respond. Look, respond and look more to her sometimes when she's singing towards the orchestra than they look to me, which is what I'm very happy about. Yeah, but it becomes, it becomes a more communicative. It's yeah. not this one-way yeah. communication, but it's an intercommunication. Yeah. And just on the same topic, because I think you are onto something now. Tell me if I talk too much, but, but, but just, just a, a, a bit of a reflection over that. When we now, we, we have projects together, of course, when we're now going into this Exodus project, I have the feeling, how, what, what do we want to say with this exodus? I mean, the theme is more relevant than ever because of the crazy situation in the world and so on. But it also says something about the different, uh, the, 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 the different um, perspective of, of expression. So we have this artist, uh, Walderstein, who paint on, white on black yeah. live. And we tried a lot, so I play improvisation and I did pieces and he, he paint like small Picasso-like things. Was, you, see, you, doesn't, you don't see what it is and then suddenly it becomes something with change and everything. Just for our audience, yeah. I just want to put this into... So yeah, yeah, sorry. No, this is a production that we're going to be doing in about a month's time, yeah. which has the title Exodus. Yeah. Exodus. And, and we're doing it together with the radio choir and as you say, the, this artist Jesper Wallerstein and, and you, the two of you have developed a, a, a sort of... Well, it's, it's, it's mm -hmm. new, one has to see it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you can see it if you come to Örebro. Walderstein, you said it sounded like a completely different person, but he's Walderstein. But Walderstein sounds more like sounds a German... Jew, Jewish... Uh, yeah, but it, it's... A, a, a philosopher. I think you uh, should change his name. Yeah, Walderstein. Okay, anyway, so that's uh, Gemeinsam, you know, this is a, is a holistic uh, performance. But my way of thinking it now is like, we have this painter, we have the poet who wrote words for me, we have the orchestra who was really involved in all the things they are, they are even words, the orchestra. We have different close-ups and wide shots from the orchestra. We have winds playing alone, we have some soloist here, and me in the centrum. And then I thought, if you sit there as an audience, we can speak a long time about, oh, the, the, the people watch more, than listen or whatever. But for me, that becomes more and more uninteresting because if you sit there, see someone painting and then listen to the music and you hear some words and suddenly you hear a soloist coming out from this. And then you have the feeling it's like the different art forms just, you know, touching each other or, or you are not really sure what goes to your heart first. I think that's a fantastic feeling. That, that's quite a new feeling for me anyway. So you are not sure what it was that ghosts, that kicks you in right in the heart. No, no. But that's not important if it was a sound, because it's always like this. People can say, oh, I, I listened to the Beethoven third and it was not as my recalling, but, but in the truth, they are listening and watching and feeling the atmosphere and everything they are there for. So you can't really, and to feel that it's sort of touching each other, that's a great feeling for me, because then you can, you can have this, this big art form and you feel that, wow, now is something new coming and, and you shouldn't judge too much. 
It's not important if it's the words or the music. And I have that feeling in the past a lot. You can see and you sit and listen to a fantastic singer and then come folk musician and play something and you start to cry and you don't know why. Why didn't this fantastic classical music musician touch me more than this a bit shabby, you know, really down to earth from the countryside folk musician? Yeah. And you, I don't know why, but it just touched me. That yeah. experience I had at Winterfest, my festival, that I oh, yeah. sometimes it's just what, what, why, what do I hear, or is it something else? But it's an interesting way of looking at it, and I think it's. That's the way we shouldn't be so judging in classical music. Don't look at the music. Don't don't look at the musician. You know, I was very frustrated in the past by this. Yeah. No, it's 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 a, it is it is a profession that is very right and wrong. In the classical music, I think we also move there. Talking about game changing, we are slowly getting away from it, and I'm becoming more relaxed about it. I mean, before I would, do you you move on stage? What do you mean by this and that and that? And I always got crazy. I said, Miles Davis stand with his back to the audience, and no one say anything about that. <laughs> but if I just do this, people ah, he's a sort of a, a young approach to classical music. Whatever. I remember once I, I, when I was still a student, I, I played something on TV and I was very excited that I was on TV at all. And I asked my teacher if he'd seen it. And he says, yes, he's seen it. Well, what did you think? He said, I don't know, I became seasick from watching you because I was moving too much. <laughs> because that was the ideal, to move as little as possible. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, something, I, I mean, just a simple fact. I'm just thinking of the way things have changed. Mm -hmm. The mere fact that we here in our respective roles are having a conversation like this that will now be distributed in different ways is a completely new thing. It yeah. really didn't occur to any of us to do this before the pandemic. It didn't, no. it didn't exist for me. No. It didn't exist as a form. But I mean, people has been uh, talking about game changer. For example, Bernstein, yeah. which I, I, I one of the inspiration that I have also for my project in a very early stage was Bernstein because I was looking. I think it was you. I lent you those DVDs. You, yes, the young you people's lent concerts. me the, the young people concerts. Yes. Yeah, but the, the way stuff. he's standing from uh, in front of the New York Philharmonic and talk to the audience and sit at the piano, conducting, talking about language and folk music and all these things in this time, because this was in the 60s 60s, it yeah. was way ahead, way ahead. Way ahead, that, that for sure. And he, was, he, and he was so relaxed, I mean, he was... Well, Bernstein was, in a sense, one of the first really communicators. Yeah. Can I say that? And then on a, on a quite high level, because of what, what he did, he musical and, and the way he speaks, of course he, he communicates, but it's also on the right level. And I was very inspired by that, and that's why I started to talk at all on stage, was because of Bernstein. Because I thought, if he can do that, but that was aiming for the young people, and I, I, I didn't think of the young people, but I could talk to the, my audience generally. And that's why I wrote script, basically wrote script, and also worked with with a with a director for my my concerts and when I went to Germany I translated to German I did this project in German and and worked again with 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 it so the, the time has changed and some of the game changer did in the 60s we we are sort of now discovering trying, discovering <laughs> yeah. and but again you, you were into this um, yes you're right we are we are very trained you said to be perfect we are trained not to be wrong in, in the class, and that's the scary thing. So when people want to be, I mean, we always have, I, I spoke uh, in another interview now, uh, just about limitation, and actually I had a very nice conversation, and that's also with Game Changer, because I was in the stage with, and, and met this uh, wonderful, and I admire him a lot, a clarinet player and composer, um, Jörg Widman. Yeah. And I said to him, uh, we were just talking about different things, and I said, you know, I'm very much into my 
to, to limitation. What, what is my frame and how could I... And, and he was, I thought about that the last week, that's the only thing. And I thought, your limitation, you're composing, you're playing clarinet, you're conducting, you're doing everything. But we can really think that's some power, and I think also in the past, the great artists like, you know, Stravinsky, Picasso, Chaplin, or they felt this. I heard them speaking about it, that they have a very... They are not scared, but they have this f feeling that they have not limitless of freedom. But like, don't you need that feeling of a... Exactly. Because you have to have something to expand. Yeah, and also when you have so much power, I mean, energy in your body, in the same time you feel, ah, I'm, I'm not... I have, yeah, I have limits here, what I can do. And I have that feeling all the time, if I'm conducting, if I play the clarinet, whatever I do. And it's a great feeling because that's what makes you want to, to go further and, and try to maybe sometimes even stand with one foot in the fiasco and one in uh, triumph for, for some artistic goal. But you don't really know where to land. And that's a good thing. I mean, it's not comfortable, but it's good because otherwise you sit there and the only thing you care about is being together, the orchestra, not playing wrong note, you're afraid of not being in tune, you know, all these things. What I, as a conductor, also point out, I need articulation, I need intonation, I need, you know, everything. And we need that. Yeah, of course we need it. And we are always, we are, that's our fundament. We are leaning on being together. We are, uh, uh, orchestra hate not to be in together. If you're not together, that's the, that's the biggest disaster, you know. Yeah. But uh, you can also think the other way. Let, let's, let's just push the boundaries a bit and this frame that we are in, feel a bit freer in that and also then we will see as a result we will be together we will have better phrasing articulation but, but that was the wonderful i think i experienced when you guys were playing a whole symphony from memory yeah. is that it was together but yeah. but but people had that feeling of, of being able to move within it yeah. uh, that was you know and, and the freedom is could be so much i mean I, I when i play with jazz musicians for example they they count to four one two three four and then they just boop 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 boop, boop and you feel extremely free uh, but my freedom is far away from that freedom. And I can't really relate to that so much because my freedom is very uh, limited and very short. Mm -hmm. I can feel freedom in, in small moments during the concert, but that's a very strong freedom. And, and, and that develops me. And that's the magical moment that I'm living for. But in an orchestra, when you, when you give them a frame, and sometimes as a conductor, you give them a, a very, very small frame. I said, you can do this. And then they feel the frame, but in this frame they can feel extremely free. And that could also be a nice feeling for uh, if it's a bigger group. Not to say, well, do what you want. You can do, you can stand on your head or play, you can do it. That's not the best thing. It's like with children as well. You should, I mean, p children get happier when you say, this is the frame. You have to work with this. Instead of, what do you want? You can do this, you can get this, and you can get whatever you want. Well, as with the little kid that gets a present, but he's playing with the box, because the box allows yeah. him to have yeah. much more imagination. I think now we are into to the subject that also will bring us to other subjects regarding game changing because this creative process is what we should, that road we should go, even with an orchestra. I think involving the orchestra in the creative process, especially after the pandemic and when we see where the politician goes and everything, it's very important to stay creative. Then we make that the theme of our next program. Good. Very thank good. you, Mark. Thank you. And thank you. Yeah. So thank you for watching Soundscapes and listening to Soundscapes and joining me in our conversation with Martin Frist. We look forward to seeing you soon again. Welcome again and again and again.